Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday's Sports on the Sports History Network. Another year of Hall of Fame selections has come and gone. Soon the induction ceremonies will be just a memory, and it will be time once again for the endless debate about who should be on the next year's ballot. So-and-so should be in the Hall of Fame. Fill in the blank. It's a phrase I've heard more times than I care to remember. It seems just about everyone has an opinion on who's worthy of having their bus placed in the hollowed hall. If the Hall of Fame committee took all of these opinions seriously, half the players who ever stepped on the field would be in Canton. But issues facing the hall go far beyond who should get selected in 2022, or any other year for that matter. Answers to fundamental questions are elusive. Who gets in? Why? When? It seems that pro baseball does a better job of answering those questions. Consider the comparison. This year, the Pro Football Hall of Fame committee selected eight new members. In contrast, the Baseball Hall of Fame committee chose only three new members. As for history, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which opened in 1963, has 354 inductees, while Baseball's Hall of Fame, which opened in 1936, has only 336 members. Yes, of course you can make the argument that the NFL has a lot more players than Major League Baseball. Still, I've always believed that the Hall of Fame should be reserved for elite players only. Pro Baseball has tried to hold to that premise, while Pro Football seems to have gotten away from it. It also seems that football players from the 1970s, 1960s, and earlier are quickly forgotten. In contrast, modern-day players are ushered in quickly, some in only their first or second year of eligibility. Is it because they have impressive stats and big numbers? Is it because many are still in the limelight? Why the big rush to get modern-day players into the hall so quickly? Until recently, players had to wait their turn, no matter how deserving they were. Take Green Bay's Herb Adderley, who played from 1961 to 1972. He's considered by many to be the best all-around cornerback ever to play the game. But Adderley wasn't voted into the hall until his third year of eligibility. Mel Renfro is another example. He had to wait until his 14th year of eligibility. Renfro, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, 
from 1964 to 1977, played in eight NFL NFC championships, winning four of them, while also winning two Super Bowls. He played cornerback, safety, punt returner, kick returner, and even had a brief stint at running back in 1966. In his rookie year, he not only led the team with seven interceptions, but he also led the league in return yardage. He had 52 career interceptions, was voted All-Pro five times, was voted to the Pro Bowl 10 years in a row, winning the MVP of that game in 1970, and was only the fifth player in Dallas Cowboys history inducted into the team's Ring of Honor in 1981. Yet somehow, even with all those impressive credentials, he had to wait 14 years to get his bust in Canton. What can we do to improve the selection process? Here are some suggestions. First, as it stands right now, the Seniors Committee can only select two players or coaches each year who retired before 1985. I believe they need to increase that number to at least three per year. Last year, in an effort to make up for forgetting about those from pre-1985, they went too far and selected ten members. Secondly, I also think the committee should consider allowing only one non-player into the hall per year. I'm not saying that coaches, owners, GMs, and other non-players shouldn't have a place in Canton, but I think the players should take precedence over non-players. Third, the voting committee needs to get back to a mentality of selecting only the players who were dominant at their respective position. I believe there should be a limit of six inductees per year. I visited both the Football and Baseball Hall of Fame several times, they are terrific places to learn the history of two great sports and learn about great players who played and great coaches who coached. While I'd recommend visiting the Hall of Fame to any sports fan, I also wonder if we overhype its importance. What about all the great players and coaches who may never get inducted? Are their contributions to the NFL and to their respective teams any less important or impressive just because they're not in the Hall of Fame? Certainly not. In the end, who gets in and who doesn't is always a matter of opinion. Each year the debate begins anew. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hi, I'm Oz Davis of the True the Goats podcast here at the Sports History Network. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about quite possibly the greatest website of all time, newspapers.com. If you're listening to this podcast or any of them at the Sports History Network, you're probably into sports history. And you probably also know that for learning about anything prior to, say, 1990 online, the typical search engines like are nearly completely useless. But then there's newspapers.com. Newspapers.com gives you access to over 640 million pages worth of news from North America, Britain, Ireland, and more, dating from 1798 to 
to last week. Do up a search for Super Bowl One, the 36th Berlin Olympics, Wayne Gretzky's first game, whatever. Newspapers.com takes you there with historical flavor that search engines like just don't give you. And now, get a free one-week subscription to Newspapers.com by visiting SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. With a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of Myth Podcast and other Sports History Network shows. That's SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. Newspapers.com. Way better for searches than You know what I'm talking about. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.